do you want your deceased loved ones near you, like physically near you after they're deceased? Oh, like in a like in an urn or something, or could be. You know, I don't know about an urn, but I think younger me would have said, I do not want a dead body near me. But I think older me thinks otherwise. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You are listening to Weird Religion. Okay, that's the new intro. Do you like it? I do. It's really good. <laughs> Weirdos, this is Brian's um, handiwork. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. and we know that there's a little bit of an echo in the room that we're in, but we're just rolling with it. So everyone's got to love it. Okay. It's, mm-hmm. it's today is Halloween when, when you're listening to this, yes. or maybe you're not listening to it on Halloween. Okay. But we thought we'd go with the creepy skull theme mm-hmm. for Halloween. Cause how can you not? Oh yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Why did I ask you that question? Wait, I, wait, I got to ask you first. All right. Tell me, what would you want? Do you want, you know, I, I had a, um, I had a horrible experience about a year and a half ago where one of my closest friends died mm-hmm. and the best moment that I had after he died, you know, cause it's only horrible moments, right? Right. Yep. The best moment I had was a short period with his body in an open casket. Mm. That was, that was my favorite time. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of like going with yes, although it seems strange, but I guess the question I want to ask through, through this, 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 um, this material I want to present to you for your consideration and commentary is, is there something natural about wanting to be near the body of a deceased person, a loved one, not just any, not just any deceased body, yeah, but like a particular kind of closeness, if that makes sense. No, no, I think that I think there's something to that. Um, years ago, I visited Westminster Abbey for the first time, oh, really? and I I didn't really, yeah, it was beautiful. I was just doing, you know, being a tourist, and but one of the things that I thought was so um, unusual and uh, I, I wasn't prepared for it because in the United States, all the churches are so much younger or right, most of them are right. much, much younger than that. Right. But there were lots of bodies in there um, of, you know, like mostly in, wealthy, in, powerful in the people church. in the church. Yes. Mm-hmm. And at first that kind of weirded me out, but the older I get, mm-hmm. the more I, I actually like it. And I don't like how we keep death so far away from human beings in this industrialized world. But, but why, what made you ask this? Like, question other than Halloween, other than the holiday. I, I thought, cause I'm like, what do adults do on Halloween? My daughters talk about Halloween almost every week throughout the entire year. <laughs> like planning their costumes. Are your kids this into Halloween? Um, Not yet, but my kids are much younger. They are so into it. I just Aww. can't. And do you know there's this also, this is a bit of a side thing, but I have to say because of a post that a friend had made on, on Twitter or somewhere that just like, you know, there's this theme of people who are like really into Halloween, but then, yes. but then. There are people who are like a little too into Halloween. Yes. Like this yeah. person was posting, a, 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 this person was posting about how annoyed they were that their neighbor had all of these like, not just like creepy Halloween decorations, but like truly distasteful things. <sighs> like stuff like I, ask, I honestly don't even want to repeat what it right, is. Right, right. It's that bad. You like know, that kind of stuff. I really, I, I really don't like that. Not just because I personally don't like it, but I have a six and three year old. And when we drive around just, you know, in the neighborhoods, you have to, you have to like answer questions about that for children. Yeah, I, it's very, you know, look, please don't. If you're out there, you know, shoot us a note <laughs> yeah. on Twitter or somewhere yeah. if Twitter still exists when you listen to this, which is to say, like, if you're one of those people who are doing like truly disturbing public displays, can you tell us why? 
Yeah, you know, like, the, what, the skeletons... Like what, are you, what are you doing? Skeletons like, I'm into, especially skulls, because, you know, cool. the schools, the schools, yeah, that, that actually leads into a fantastic conversation with children about life and death sure, and sure. the afterlife and all those kinds of things. I'm not talking but, about the trad stuff, but, like skulls and skeletons and witches and <laughs> yeah. stuff. I'm not talking about that. Yeah, but when it gets I'm into, I'm talking about, like, like, mangled bodies. Right, let's not do that, And, please. like, serial killer stuff. I'll tell you after, afterward oh, the no. stuff that was in this, okay. in this person's yard. Okay. But, but I bring this up because I had occasion recently to remember the fact that at one point I had done some academic study on this particular set of skulls. Oh, interesting. That were severed from their bodies, dried out and plastered and painted and even in some cases decorated with like seashells oh, for the eyes. So interesting. In Neolithic Jericho. Uh, like now, the walls came tumbling down. Like the Jericho? walls came tumbling down. Now let me now let me give a review. I realize I even I needed a little brush up on this as well, but a brief review of human history in named periods of human history. Okay. The dates vary depending on how you know how you look at this kind sure, of stuff. Sure. But like for instance, we talk about the Paleolithic era. That's like the old Stone Age era. Three point three million years BP, give or take a few. Yeah. To about eleven thousand years BP. Uh, b- before present. That yes, is about, yes. so in other words, about nine, the, the old Stone Age, the Paleolithic ended about 9,000 BC. That saw the emergence of the earliest stone tools, hand axes, apparently, according to my anthropology, archaeology uh, professor in my doctoral program, humans apparently created these like hand axes and oh, used them without change for what, one million years. <laughs> That's wow, my, that's a long time. That's my spooky Halloween. Uh, I wonder if that could be true, but that's interesting. Anyhow, it seems like that wouldn't be real. Like, why would people do that for that long? But that was just the that was the pace of change. People were not yeah. into change. Maybe it's like they people used it. wheels for a million years. <laughs> I could see that happening. I don't know how you'd improve on. Well, it. we're still using wheels, right? So clearly, right. that's a good thing. Okay, so. Um, after the Paleolithic comes the Neolithic age. That's the era in which these skulls were were, were done up the way they were, about 8,500 to 4,300 BC. And then that gives way to the Bronze Age, about 3,000 BC, BCE. And then mm-hmm. you get the Iron Age and the classical period and stuff like that. But the that's artifacts, I, I say that to say these artifacts I want to talk about here, and we'll, we'll post links, of course, to these artifacts. You can, yeah. It's best to have them up and so you can have a look so you know what we're talking about, right? Right. So these come from this Neolithic Period. And this Neolithic period was really fascinating in human history because it saw an absolute explosion of human symbolic activity. Mm. I mean, just um, ritual and religious um, remains. Still no texts. The earliest earliest writings invented around 3000 BC in Egypt and Mesopotamia, roughly simultaneously. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. So we're not talking about a text. We're talking about an explosion of symbolic and artistic activity in a time when, and this is fascinating, this is when in fact you see the emergence of agriculture in settled communities. Oh, interesting. First, apparently first in world history in, in the ancient Middle East. So before that, people were just killing and eating and yeah, like, not, not farming. Yeah, like walking around. And that's, so the first agriculture, and I'm sure that there are studies that suggest the agriculture was maybe slightly earlier or slightly later, but that's, yeah, it's in this period. I can totally see how that would happen, like the symbolism, because agricultural life is so cyclical. Um, and you're in the same place observing mm-hmm. the seasons yep. and and also agricultural life is so it is so dependent on the heavens and mm-hmm. things that you can't control so that makes a lot of sense like you'd want a petition like want a we petition. need rain we need sun we need 
Yeah, I you like know? that. That was a good yeah. point. I, I don't know if that's even true, but it doesn't matter. I'm just riffing. It doesn't matter. No, that's exactly <laughs> what we're doing. I mean, we're not okay, but we're here, not experts on this age. What do you think? Okay, I like that riff. I give that a clap. Okay. What about this riff? Mm-hmm. If you're if you're settling, if you, if, if you are a hunter gatherer and if you're moving, you can't be carrying around like giant works of art with you. Right, of course. You can make stuff. They probably, I bet they did make works of yeah, art. Yeah, you might pro- have a necklace or something. Yeah, they were like more ephemeral maybe though, like things mm-hmm. that faded away. But like, there's some sense if you're going to settle down in a place and do some agriculture, I bet there's a sense like you really want to show like we are here. Right. Like this is permanent. Like for example, in Jericho, there's a very famous archaeological remains of a tower. Jericho w- was, yes, and this is the city that the walls came tumbling oh, down. Oh, yes. Book of Joshua. I went on a Jericho march or two. Jer- <laughs> okay, we're going to come back to that. Yeah. Actually, no, let's come back to my thing. Tell, talk, what is a Jericho march? What oh, does that mean? you know, in charismatic, it, it means a lot of different things, but in charismatic circles, it was a way of, it was the idea that they were repeating the ancient Israelite ritual march around the city of Jericho. Which was to accomplish what? To bring the physical walls of Jericho down. Whereas in charismatic circles, typically the Jericho march (laughs) is meant to tear down symbolic or strongholds, Strongholds. demonic strongholds. And of course seen very recently in the January 6th insurrection (laughs) as a way of tearing down apparently the corrupt walls of the U.S. government Yes. And, you know, mixed results, depending on who you talk to about that. <laughs> We've <laughs> talked about it on the show. <laughs> to mixed results. Yes. Um, okay, that was great. I really like that. I've, I, too, have done a, um, a Jericho oh, Of course I knew it. You know, I, I, I can't say that the walls came literally tumbling down, but, you know, sometimes in life, like in The Wizard of Oz, like in liberal readings of the Gospels, it's not. It's really about the friends we made along the way. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> that one's for you. That one's for United Methodists. That one's for you, mainliners. Okay, it's about, we love you. We heard it's you. about the friends we made along the way. Okay, <laughs> I made some uh, good ones. <laughs> so in at Jericho on this theme of like permanence, yeah, of saying like I am here. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry, listeners, there's an ambulance going oh. by outside. Yeah. Um, there feels- at Jericho, maybe they can't even hear it. And we're just like talking. This about feels it. Okay. like a vibe. Keep yes. going. Okay, it, it is a vibe. So at Jericho. Um, on this theme of, of the permanence, though, and the tower, they apparently, the, the ancient citizens of Jericho, whom some think were these people called a Natufian culture, they were the one cool. of the first sedentary groups, actually, even before there was clearly agriculture. So yeah. apparently you could do sedentary life even without it if you have a, a food source. But yeah. they apparently, at Jericho, they built this giant tower. There was mm. really not a lot of things like it in the world at that time, around 8,000 BCE. Okay. And it was a, a, a surprise to archaeologists because there was almost no other public architecture of that type anywhere in the world. So the, the issue is like, why did they build this, right? Like, that is so cool. Is this a military thing? Is this, I, I remember the teaching assistant for my doctoral class on this saying, maybe it's just a symbolic thing. It's a way of saying like, it's, it's kind of phallic. Yeah. It's a way of saying like, I am here. Like, this is me. Yeah. Like, yeah. boom. Well, I mean, there's still a lot of constructed objects that we don't know why they exist mm-hmm. now from the ancient world, right? Like yeah. Easter Island or... Like we don't know where they came from or right. primarily what right. they're, I just love that. I love that humans are so yeah. creative and, um, but, but get back to the skulls. So the oh, tower okay. oh, yes. sort oh, of makes so, sense. You so, can make a lot of sense of the tower. So you've got this like bl- this blooming, this blossoming of religious complexity. You've got mm-hmm. more food. People have more time in their hands. They can do kind of like creepy, interesting things. So yes. the most interesting artifacts, I think, and I'm looking at these right now on the, Wikipedia page for the skulls. Ooh. Yeah, they have their own Wikipedia page. Of course they do. It's called Plastered Human Skulls. Why not? 
And if you go to plastered human skulls, you're going to see one of these that we're talking about right now. Yes. Um, it even has little shells for eyes. Do you see it? Yeah, it's really interesting, actually. It's from about 6,000 BC, 9,000 BC, you know, something yeah. in this kind of zone. Um, yeah, 6,000, 8,000 BC. And they basically, okay, so, and I, I did a little bit of research on this in a book called Death and Dying in the Neolithic Near East by Karina Croucher. Thanks, Karina. Yay. For your book, 2012, Oxford University Press. Great we'll, work, we'll link Doc. It. So, I mean, why? Okay, before I even like review these these theories, I just I just want to test you here. I just yes. I think this is a test. Like, what what kind of reasons do you think ancient archaeologists archaeologists of the ancient world have come up with for why people did this? Well, okay, the first the first explanation that comes to mind because I'm a modern historian, yep. so um, I am I actually am kind of like a side gig interest in death in the United States. Oh, and I, didn't know that. I read a really yeah I. It's a long story, but I read um, a really interesting article about how the practice of embalming really mostly goes back to the Civil War. Really? And yeah, because the technology that is needed to embalm a body the way we do it now, mm -hmm. like not in like the way the ancients did it, mm -hmm. but the kind of chemicals and um, like the idea that you would prepare a body in a way to make it look as lifelike as possible, like with makeup and prosthetics and all these kinds of things, right. you know, depending on how the person died, that is a very modern practice. But what made me think of that was the idea that you might be trying to create a version, like an idealized version of the body to remember. Mm -hmm. So the first thought I had was, well, maybe this is about like remembering this body in a particular way. Right. Um, yeah. Cause that's the whole purpose of doing the embalming and showing the body at the yeah. funeral is like, you don't want it to look bad. Or if the person died in a hard way, you kind of clean that up in a way that that changes. Supposedly is supposed to comfort people. I don't know if it, it brings does, them but back. okay. Like, yeah. That's what, a huge question for me, whether or not it does. Why does, okay. That's so fascinating yeah. because I think even in the funeral I mentioned at the top of the show, I think there were some people that really didn't like that idea of a body, especially of a young person. Yes. Especially well, it's seeing. Disturbing. It's yeah. disturbing. It was really yeah. tough. And I think, but I, but I felt a, a, like a major amount of comfort um, from it. Once I got over the initial like shock of seeing it. Well, you know, I was at that, the same funeral for, for that friend. And I remember um, that a, a couple of people, not yourself, talked about touching our friend's body right. and it being a sort of shocking experience because it's cooler than a normal right. human doesn't, body doesn't is feel right. than a live body. Right. But also it was a huge comfort because it was sort of a way of making concrete this horrifying fact that no one wants to think is true. Right. Um, but yeah, so I have personal questions about, I'm not sure, I, you know, the first body that I ever saw was a grandparent who had died and it was really strange because I was pretty young. Mm. Um, but it was, a comfort to know that that didn't like it, it drove the point home. That person is dead. Well, and this is one of the know? biggest problems with death is, is it, you know, people talk about the stages of grief and this idea of, of deni denial. denial. Yeah. Yeah. I did not realize until recently in my life, like that denial, because you think, you think hypothetically you're like denial. Yeah. But why would you deny? Like, yeah. what does that even mean? Yeah. Like it's the weirdest thing. Denial. Like how could you deny mm -hmm. that someone has died when it's an obvious fact, but you can, it's possible to like literally live in that. It's I think weird. it's kind of involuntary. Yeah, like, it's it not be. like it you're, you know what I mean? Because I think that, so the embalming thing seems like the, our modern practices seem like a way mm -hmm. to, it almost feels like a half measure, a way to say, you know, like, oh, this person isn't really dead. This isn't as really as disturbing. And I guess the older I get, the more I think it's disturbing. And yeah. there's, but there's a comforting part in the sense that like, oh no, it's true. It happened. And then 
it sort of allows for you to process right. that. I don't know. I, well, I, I don't want to be in denial about it is what I'm I saying. I think this is really good. And it actually, just because you are who you are, you know, you stumbled upon one of the main theories for what the Jericho what skulls it? are. Okay, one theory is that this was a kind of embalming practice and it was a way to actually keep people near their families. Aww. So the idea is like, if you do, I mean, as, as weird as it could sound, as creepy or, or whatever as it could sound to like take someone's skull off their body and plaster it, it, it could be a way, like it's thought, maybe some of the paint on it and some of the plaster yeah. was actually a way of trying to make the skull look like the person looked. That makes total sense During their life. And then if you have it, you can actually keep that person near you. Yeah. And be reminded not just of how they used to look like a picture of a deceased loved one, but actually literally physically them there with you. Well, you know this way better than I do because you're a Hebrew Bible scholar, but I always like those passages where they talk about people, and especially in the the like the patriarch era where they talk about oh, so-and-so yeah. is gathered and their bones are gathered with their fathers. Sleeping with their fathers. Yeah, that's right. I think that's actually quite beautiful. Oh, it is. And I think that people, archaeologists talk about this in a very literal sense. Like there were, you know, the kind of excavations of, of, of graves and, and so on from the period show examples where people were actually buried with their families. Yes. In family tombs, you know. And of course you see this in graveyards today too, families near each other. Oh yeah. Well, my, my sister-in-law's brother recently died and um, we went to his funeral where he was buried with his mother mm -hmm. and it, there was a whole lot of bureaucratic stuff that had to happen in order mm. for him to be buried there. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't know him very well, but watching my sister-in-law, I could see why it was so important. It was such a comfort to her and it was a way of honoring her mother who had died many years earlier. So right. I can see that that's where I... <laughs> Your first question, I'm like, man, when I was young, I just didn't want to think about it. But, but the older I get, the more I see the value in yeah. being near. Oh, and you think that's why when you were young, the idea of being near the dead was less less interesting to you? Because yeah, because I probably felt uh, incorrectly like I was far from it because, you know, you could die anytime. But the other thing about it, I think, is also that our culture just, um, we try to section off death. Like people die in hospitals, they don't die in their homes, they yes. die, like we don't yes. even want to talk about it. And then we create all of these elaborate ways of not acknowledging death. I don't know, that's just... Well, I'm thinking of like these Neolithic people at Jericho yes. or just wherever they were, right? And these plastered skulls, by the way, there's a group of seven of them from Jericho that are recognized as the most lifelike and interesting mm, of the group. Yeah, but, they're but, they're actually, but there are other examples like this too okay. that you could compare them to. But I think that, I, I was trying to imagine what it would be like to live like that. And, and not even always so far in the distant past, but in, right. in places where that distance from the dead is not the same as the way that we do it with a kind of, like we have a professional industry around death. Yes, and that, that there, creeps me out a little bit. That's a little creepy and it's yeah. all right. I mean, that's the classic Halloween theme of like right. the funeral home, you know, yes, and the yes. whole, um, you know, that idea. What's I, that show? Six Feet Under. Six Feet Great Under. Great show on HBO. I, I was actually thinking of wrestling, like WWF wrestling back uh -huh. in the day. There was the, un, there was the Undertaker. The oh wrestler, yeah. But the, he had this like manager named that. Paul Bearer. Oh, sad. Who was like this, he had this very like Play-Doh-y kind of face, <laughs> oh which my was gosh. like very weird. And there was all this like rising from the dead. Professional wrestling is a very, very, very bizarre thing. We should do a show on professional wrestling sometime. Um, I welcome that opportunity. We've got to find a religious I've angle. Been What's I've the angle? been to one. You have? Yeah, yes. No I'm not not like a, this is, I've been to the better version of it, which is like a local Portland <laughs> version when I was in college. Okay, so we need to put a pin in that. Oh, We're definitely coming okay. back. Okay, somebody give us a clue, like where is the religious angle? Yes. It could just be in The Undertaker. But okay, yes. so I was thinking of these people and I was thinking of the way that we yes. professionalize it. And I was thinking to myself, okay, but in a place like that, 
it's it's you don't you don't you don't call up a funeral service now. Granted, there probably were religious professionals who maybe helped oh, people sure. do stuff, and but, but they like, help grieve, they help prepare bodies. I'm sure. But like you, this is a problem you have to deal with as a right, family, right? And I wonder if that's there's some kind of. I don't know. I don't want to be romantic about the past. I'm suspicious of things like, well, people used to live these more natural lives and now we don't yeah. anymore. I think that that could be true or there could be problems with that. But oh, for sure. That could be a topic for another day too. But I'm, I do think, I do wonder, I wonder, I wonder if there was something human and something humane and something natural about a family having to take care of its own dead in that way. Yeah, I really, I mean, I, I, I also I share your hesitation about romanticizing the past. Right. Um, and I also do think you can point to really um, concrete ways that our culture is in like corporate denial around uh, life and death. Uh-huh. So I think it's not overshooting it to say, wow, people seem to acknowledge death right. and we're closer to dead bodies. And, right. you know, I mean, even if you think about where people are buried in, in the historic Christian um, communities, mm-hmm. usually bodies were buried right next to the church. So you worship, right. you know, with, with the dead. Where better to be resurrected from? Like yes. From your yes. Church. And you to like participate in the communion of saints in terms of having this kind of thin veil between life and death, you know, like there, you, you could potentially be all worshiping together. And now it's like, do you, well, I know where the, there's a beautiful, um, cemetery not too far from here Mm -hmm. but um most other towns i've lived in i had no idea where they were right you know right so it's like the dead are just somewhere else i don't know where they are i do wonder though on that point if you know if you're just kind of like you're kind of sick of church you know let's say maybe you're one of those ex-evangelicals out there we have a we uh, have a a lively ex-evangelical audience and uh, shout out to y'all let's say and let's say they bury you at a church yes and you don't want to be And there. then you get resurrected and you're like, no, I'm at church again. <laughs> like I tried, I tried so hard. You know, you know, I'll say one, one word of comfort is most of the uh, folks who are born into that mega churches don't have uh, cemeteries. So Boom. jokes on you. Problem solved. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> they don't want to talk about it either. They don't want to do it. Um, that is okay. But that's, uh, yeah, this issue of the mega church tradition without kind of burial traditions that right there. That's a dissertation. Someone get That's on a dissert- that. That is an get article. on that. That is an article. Actually, like the relationship is this our of- first co-authored academic author this article? Is, <laughs> have you ever heard that joke? Like kind of like um, when academics are like saying, like the, the, the version of we should start a band is let's write a paper <laughs> about this. Or it could be like, let's do a podcast. Yep. That's another one. Yep. But yeah, but this issue of like, I think that that actually is a great point because the kind of denial of death, the denial of suffering, the prosperity messages, mm-hmm. the lack of, it'd be interesting to do it's ethnographic, like doing ethnographic study of like where people who have died in those church settings, where, where they, they're buried, where they ended up get, getting buried. Oh, That's a project. Okay. That we just are writing someone's dissertation right now. Do Thank it. Us. Do it. They, we better get a shout out. In the, oh, in the, in the, okay. I would love that. That'd be such a huge thrill. One. Okay. So there are two more ideas I wanted to posit here. We have to bring this in for some kind of landing here. Um, one is that, okay, so the theory that yes, they want people, there's a, a desire for closeness. You keep the people with you. Yes. Connected with it, n- not a different idea, is the idea that maybe it has something to do with with more elaborate beliefs about an afterlife. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes mm-hmm. speculated that ancient people in various places maybe didn't have elaborate ideas about an afterlife. You could even read, for example, the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament and find scant, surprisingly yes, scant yes. ideas about an afterlife. 
um, which is kind of on par for the ancient Near Eastern environment generally. Notably, not Egypt though, which had a very el- elaborate yeah, afterlife. So, I, which is what makes it so fun to so there, look yes, into that. Yes, very yeah. much. So the Egyptologists are very lucky. But the idea is that maybe we start to see these more elaborate forms of things in what is a so-called ancestor cult. Um, a kind of like, not quite a worship of the ancestors, but a kind of veneration and a sense Mm -hmm. that they are in fact still living. Yes. And so you have to treat their bodies in a certain way if you believe that, kind of like burials often reveal what people believe. Yeah, Per our dissertation idea. Yes, yes. About what people actually believe about the afterlife. The darker idea though, okay, there is a dark interpretation that some people had posited. Oh, bring it. Which is that they are captured they are like, vic- they're like victims, like enemies. Oh, see, like now that came, came to my mind right at the very beginning. Oh, I actually, did. well, I, cause it's around Halloween and I yeah. actually, I have a fairly sunny disposition and also I really enjoy horror. And Leah so is what, Leah is in real life. I will just say on the side, <laughs> one of the sunnier people that I do know. I can't help it. Um, but anyhow, one, one thought and I, and I also love horror. It doesn't have to be either or. And one of the things agreed, that agreed. first came to mind was how do we know these people were dead when their heads came off? So I was oh, like, dang. is this a form of capital punishment? Is this a way of warning your enemies? It made me yep. think of the original, the inspiration for Dracula. Yep. Uh, the guy who put a bunch of heads of his enemies on sticks, you know? Yep, so yep, I yep. went, I went that direction right away, but I, you know, you were keeping it classy. Let me end on this idea. Um, and, and partly this brought up this, this topic brought up a lot of memories for me because, um, some years ago, 12, 13 years ago, I was on my one and only archeological excavation, mm, lived for a month and fun. a half in Israel. It was in Ashkelon, Israel. What a thrill. And on one of the last days of the excavation in my spot where I was by pure chance, there was an interesting thing discovered. There was a jar. We came up on a fully intact jar. Oh, cool. And it, and it had like little inscriptions on it, these weird symbols. Oh, fun. And inside the jar was a buried baby. Oh. Like a six month old. Oh, goodness. And I had this very odd moment like being there because you realize as an archaeologist, you're kind of like encroaching on, the, I felt I felt this very, I felt this very distinct sense that I was encroaching on this family's moment yes. of burial. But I, could see I that. also was flooded with warm feelings of like, oh, like there was a kind of, yes, this tragic thing happened, but the family had a way to deal with this. Right. They had a custom. And th- this was common actually in some areas. This was a Philistine area. So like the Philistines, like Goliath yeah. and so on, that they would in fact bury some, um, particularly children under the floor of homes. And Aww. there was a way, there was there was such, there was kind of like sadness. And I'll, I'll post, by the way, this is an article that, is in the Israel Exploration Journal, and you can look at it. I'll post it in the show notes, and you can see the burial um, because me and another person, another person and I, published it. That is and so cool. We so we did this, and it was just uh, it was just odd. And so I feel like with these Jericho skulls, it's like there's this moment which allows you both on the one hand to kind of peer into another group's grief and their sense of the sacred and the afterlife through the skull, but then it also reveals this kind of like Halloween does this kind of weird time to reflect even on death and and ancestors generally. Well, I wonder sometimes what what people will think of us thousands of years ago when they I mean thousands of years from now when yeah. they yeah. when they come upon our what we've left behind. Hopefully it's not an iPhone. I'll tell you this though, they're going to think something. They will. <laughs> this has been a production of Weird Religion. A podcast for people who know religion is weird but love it anyway. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram. Follow us into the ocean. Allow your heart to blossom. 
Retreat into the gorgeous and haunted forests of your mind. Find us there.